The battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome back to the Lead Pursuit Podcast. If you've been following us on Instagram, you undoubtedly saw last week's Grognard Gazette poking fun at the lack of math ability amongst my fellow members of the podcast. What this means is tonight I'm joined by three sad products of our public school system. First, we have a man whose scores on his standardized tests were so low that Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University would only allow him to pursue a degree in glider maintenance. Brett, how are you doing tonight? Wax on, wax off. That's all you need to know. It's real easy. (laughs) (laughs) Not that the public schools in the Northeast are any better. You know, since not only is his geography knowledge lacking, but mathematically, he's inept as well. LPP's very own 3D designer, Steve. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing great. It's like that hair club video. I'm not only a client, I'm the president or something like that, too. <laughs> something so like I'm that, affecting too. the education world on both ends. Exactly. Math for, for BRS players. But you know what? We also have, hailing from that great allied power, constitutionally bound to the rest of us in the other 49 states, Texas. We have a man who's so bad at basic arithmetic that I don't think I've ever received a print order with exactly the number of 3D prints that I requested. Maybe more, maybe less. It's all up to Casey, whatever he wants. Anyway, Casey, how are you doing tonight? How many Coronas have you sucked down already? Oh, none tonight, but was it bad whenever I was taking the ASVAB and they laughed at me and I instantly (laughs) went to the Marine Corps? Like, does that happen to everybody? They're like, don't bother talking to those three people over there. Your dude is over this corner. Yeah, they're like, son, you got a career in the infantry and then probably law enforcement after that. Don't even try. (laughs) We're going to hook you up. Uh, All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about a couple things before we jump into tonight's topic, which is our terrible arithmetic and lists. So let's talk about some upcoming events. The one that I care most about, and hopefully all of us on the podcast uh, care the most about, Crucible 10, Orlando, Florida, 30 September to 2 October. It's going to be a great time. We're going to play a lot of Blood Red Skies. Uh, The event list is finally filling out online. So if you haven't gone to Tabletop Events and secured your tickets, go do that right now. There are slots for Blood Red Skies game. So if you want to reserve the table for an hour, two hours, that's fine. You can do that. There's also slots for the tournament. Those are filling up. Uh, right now we've got two miscreants signed up, plus we'll have a couple more signing up here shortly. Uh, but that'll be three days of Blood Red Skies and aerial gaming. We'll have a good time. We'll have fun. Uh, and we will work our way uh, through whatever constraints we have based on the other uh, uh, gaming systems that are playing. So I know Bolt Action is going to take a bunch of tables. 40K obviously has a bunch at Crucible. Um, and for those that aren't familiar, Crucible follows the week after the historical event down there, Huracan. So, uh, you know, whatever. Two two houses split, house divided, don't care. Um, gamers can decide which weekend they want to hang out and come up. So I know a bunch of guys are going to come up and hang out with the Lead Pursuit podcast. We'll be there at Crucible. We'll have fun. We'll run a tournament. We'll run some narrative stuff on Sunday. Now, 
Yeah, people the whole gang's going to be yeah, there, though. All yeah, of we're, we're, all of us, us are going to be there. Come see us Come all. Punch. Come punch Casey in the face. <laughs> 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 no, let's, uh, everybody, please come by, at least say hi. Even if, even if, like we talked about last week, you play Blood Red Skies all the time at home and you don't want to play Blood Red Skies at a tournament uh, or at a convention, uh, at least come by, say hi. It'll be obvious we'll be the uh, four weirdos in Lead Pursuit shirts. So it uh, should be pretty easy to pick us out. There is a narrative game on the schedule for Sunday. People ask me, hey, what's the narrative game? I go, hey, I don't know. Uh, so I threw out for Brett if he wants to bring his B-29s and some of his MiGs. I'll have some Sabres there. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff coming. I know Steve Gusky is planning on bringing some, shoot, I looked at it today. It was AVG, China Burma Theater, stuff like that uh, for early war. So there's going to be a lot of cool airplanes there. Uh, let us know what you want, and we can always come up with a narrative game for that. Well, following quick on the heels from Crucible, Siege of Vicksburg, that will be the 14th through 16th of October, Vicksburg in Mississippi, uh, and it will be a good chance for them to change venues, have the Casino Hotel, I've already got a bunch of vendors signed up, a bunch of events that are going to be there, I know there's a Blood Bowl tournament, uh, don't know if there's a Flames tournament or not, but should be a bunch of gamers there, please come down, join us, and have fun. Uh, following on from that, Millennium Con, Round Rock, Texas. Uh, Casey will be there with bells on in a French-made outfit, uh, 10 to 13 <laughs> November. <laughs> so, uh, Casey, got any specific plans for that event? You know, it's actually impressive. I was just talking to the uh, organizer of it, and right now they have the most games signed up they've ever had. And it's not by just like three or four. It's probably by about two dozen. So I think everybody is that because the new Magic Pack just released and everyone's to play that. <laughs> I think so. Oh, or I think it might have to do with finally people are over COVID. Oh, okay, but, um, okay. So Carcassonne so released a new expansion. Uh, there, <laughs> yes. There's a new Settlers of Catan uh, expansion <laughs> out. Okay, sorry. It'll be a uh, no. It'll be a good time. It always is. Um, great convention there, right outside of Austin, Texas. Uh, I'm. Pr- I will definitely be there. I'll probably be doing some stuff in the Warlord booth. I'm maybe run some demos, but I'm definitely having a narrative game kind of cooking on the books i'm just trying to figure out a really good slot right now because i don't want to pick one like friday and saturday evenings are completely packed already so i don't want to compete with that so you know what we might do some breakfast tacos and bloody mary's on like a friday morning nice so just stand by and probably by the next cast i'll be able to give you the exact details on it what we're gonna do okay yeah sounds good uh i will not be making it there i'll probably be um several drinks in at some vacation spot celebrating yes 10 november marine corps birthday uh, and then recovering from the hangover so I can drink again on 11 November Veterans Day. <laughs> so uh, anyway, y'all have fun out there. Wish I was going to be there, but I'm not. And then the next event we have on the schedule, kind of a break for a while. There may be some more things popping in the January, February timeframe, but uh, March 22 to 26, Schaumburg, Illinois, Adepticon. Questions? Be there. Uh, the Renaissance is already sold out. I think the Hyatt's getting sold to close close to sold out uh so figure out where you're uh, you're gonna stay uh if you're like us you'll stay off property and just schlep over there uh, it's only a mile drive but uh there's there's a lot of options uh for places to stay they usually open up some more hotels uh a couple months in and the events should be question mark finalized uh by the end of next month and then signups obviously are in december so We'll be planning on running Blood Red Skies. We will probably be co-podcasting with those schleps over at uh, No Dice, No Glory, putting up with them uh, and Mitch Reed and all of his stinkiness. So we'll uh, we'll be hanging out, talking uh, a lot of different uh, wargaming stuff, a lot of different miniatures gaming, and trying to go around and at least cover what everyone else is seeing. 
All right. Any other events people know about on the podcast that you guys wanted to talk about? I know there's there's like a one-off con in Jacksonville in October, but I know, Brett, you're going to be busy. You can't make it down to that one. Um, anything else from the masses? Cool. Not that I know of. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. I, I made the mistake of going out to tabletop events and looking at the long list, and it just kind of depressed me because most of them were up in the Midwest and Northeast, and so I realized... Uh, there weren't any real good wintertime cons uh, down here. So, eh, whatever. We've already had our fun at NashCon, uh, and I'm not going to Huracan. <laughs> so, all right, let's talk about what we've seen around the community. Uh, the UK had a good tournament. Uh, Ken had uh, four people, including himself, out there. I know that's kind of weird when we say that's a good tournament, but you got to realize it's a return to a UK tournament scene. Uh, so, Obviously, kudos to Ken for going out, I believe, uh, getting that all set up uh, in a really nice facility. I mean, I, I looked at that uh, that gaming area, and it was nicer than any hobby store game area I'd ever seen. It looked like it belonged to have cubicles in it and people in office space writing their TPS reports. So it looked way too comfortable. So thanks, Ken. Appreciate you doing that. Hopefully, the UK scene will start taking off here now that uh, COVID restrictions are eased. Uh, and there's a lot of other gaming going on. I mean, I saw... Um, Let's see. There was the Prince of Wales uh, fight off Quanton um, that the guys out of Poland had done, and that looked really good. Beautiful model. I think, what did we guess that was? A 1600 scale uh, Prince of Wales, something like that? It looked amazing. Or maybe even bigger. Yeah, I guess it had to be bigger. Um, but yeah, it uh, that looked really nice. So a lot of cool, a lot of cool gaming going on, uh, and then a lot of pickup games. We've seen people's photos of, so that's always good. Um, but even better when you can get your local gaming group together and get uh, two or three other people who may not be Blood Reds guys uh, experienced in there. Any other uh, cool games you guys have seen or, or things people have thrown in the Blood Reds guys ready room that uh, really kind of caught your eye? Just been, it's, I've noticed an uptick in activity. I think it's just that time of year, starting to get fall. Obviously, it's not getting cooler here, but you know, everybody usually it's a lot easier to hobby, go into yeah, the it's, garage. Yeah, it's freaking hot here in Alabama again. So I don't know what you people in Texas did. How you blew all your hot air up here. You've now seen though, uh, you've warm. definitely seen an uptick in activity, and I've seen a lot of great painted yeah. planes, and you know, just people playing and having fun. So anytime someone's like, "Oh, well, that game's dead," yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, it's it's like we we're talking about uh, a couple nights ago. It's it's just kind of funny how the game isn't dead. People aren't necessarily playing it when we want to play it at a convention, but uh, the game is is far from dead, which is good. Um, I think there's a lot of challenges ahead for Blood Red Skies. There's a lot of other games that are right now are competing for people's interests. There's a lot of other really really cool miniatures games out there and, and games that are being released. Um, so I think it's going to be an uphill battle for Blood Red Skies. But the good thing is there's a, at least a strong player base out there. Brett, what have you seen that's kind of inspired you recently? Well, we were talking about it a little bit before we started recording, but Plane Printer, man, they've been cranking stuff out and just oh, yeah. saw that, that, what is a ship model out? Yeah. Might, might be yep, a nice so target. We, yep, we got a nice target uh, model out there, so that will be good. I don't know if we're going to, I guess we'll have to start printing target models. <laughs> There you go, Casey. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, after those float planes, like I'm excited to see what he does next because those things turned out good. Yeah, yeah. I'm still uh, still holding out for my uh, my late 50s jets, so we'll see what we get. Steve, what have you seen around uh, the interwebs that's inspired you? I've just been lurking on the modern 28 millimeter miniature sites. I've just like really been seriously lurking on that, and uh, but I. I 
did notice to go along with what Casey said, the uptick in activity, it looks like there's a lot of new names. Like it's not just like people that have been playing blood red skies going back into it for the winter. It looks like there's like a lot of new people. So I don't know if that's yeah. like kind of midway sets getting out there more or what the deal is, but it looks like a lot of new faces too. Kind of cool. New people in happy hour on Friday. So that's yeah, good. It's, it's good. good. Yeah. I was busy doing something, washing my hair, trimming my toenails. Don't know what couldn't make it to happy hour, but uh, yeah, glad to see there's a lot of new names in the ready room and uh, I'll make the pitch. There's a lot of people I know that are joining that are kind of lurking. So if you're lurking and you're listening, uh, do not be afraid of throwing out your airplanes. We've seen everything from amazingly painted airplanes to ones that look like I painted them. Well, because I did paint them, so they're terrible. But uh, throw what you've done out there, and you're going to find that the ready room is actually, believe it or not, when Ken and I aren't arguing and throwing spears at each other, a really friendly place. And so everyone's going to be really encouraging of whatever work you do, whatever airplanes you like, uh, and however you get them painted up, whether it's historical or not. We haven't seen any uh, any 40K Spitfires lately, Steve, nor have we seen any googly-eyed ones. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed. You and, you and Trevor haven't been doing your hard work. No, but I do have a whole bunch of aircraft painted up that I did decals for a different version of the aircraft, but I'm putting them all on the late model version of the aircraft, so that could ruffle some feathers. Oh, we'll geez, see how that there you goes. go. You just heretic. Burn, burn. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, that's good. All right. Well, so let's uh, let's keep moving on just so we can get to tonight's real topic, talking about lists and talking about the lists we're going to use to smash face everybody else at our own event because we're those kind of jerks. Wait, no, that's that's not how Lead Pursuit does business. Uh, but is there anything specific that you three are working on? I know, Casey, I saw a bunch of prints uh, as you were cheating on me printing <laughs> MATVs in 28 millimeter, you little fuck, bastard. Just leaving that in the background of the photo, you're a jerk. I hate you. <laughs> if I see a, if I see a 28 a millimeter freaking little bird, I'm driving to Texas and I'm just punching you in the face. Challenge like, accepted. I, I could just I could just wait till Crucible. What am I waiting for? Yeah. Yeah. So so no little birds, nothing cool. Uh, just show me printed airplanes. What what have you been building? So this will I'm gonna kind of dial this back a little bit. So I always I've been playing you know the Spitfires, the 109s, the 190s, P38s, P47s. But when I like to make a new list, and even with this game, and this goes for any historical game, I want to try and find something I don't know about because that it usually sees me finish the project because I'm researching it, I'm getting hyped, I'm getting excited. Italian planes, they look cool. God, I'm sure some were good, most were garbage, but they've just really got a hook on me. And especially with Plane Printer, and you know, Rockworks has some too, but them putting them out, I'm like, you know what, let's do an Italian list. So kind of been researching Italian planes, um, been printing out some. They've turned out great. Some 520s. Uh, what else was there? The 2002, 202, 205s. And I think there was one other one. What was it? Oh, the 2005. Yeah, so, there, there's some cool looking Italian planes. There, there are a few dogs. Yeah, they look like uh, sports I, cars. Like well, all cars. of them except there's there's a handful that look like a beer can with um, like a Spitfire tail stuck on the end of it. Uh, but <laughs> most of them actually look pretty cool. Um, and ironically, uh, other than the poor quality trait, actually perform pretty well in the game. And, and we'll yeah, talk so about mitigating th traits later, you know. Yeah, so that's what I've been really trying to get around is how big, and we'll go into this like you said, but how much of an impact is poor quality? Is that going to set me up for failure right at the very first of the game? No. And so <laughs> Sources say about. no. <laughs> so what I've been looking at is especially the 2005 where you got three firepower, yep. um, eight speed, great climb, rapid roll, rough ride. 
Now, how big of a deal is Rough Ride going to be? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, there we go. That's another thing at 39 oh, wait. points. So who, who in this group has been beat by me flying MIGs? Okay. Yeah. End of story. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> a so rough ride. Yeah. Isn't that big of a deal? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it is, but, but it's, it's not, it's not a game ender. It's, it's, you know, you just got to mitigate it. Hey, yeah. remind me again. What, tell me again what rough rider does. So rough ride, you have to take a maneuver or you have to take a pilot skill check. Um, sorry, maneuver check when you burn advantage to maneuver and then shoot. Yeah, the plane yeah, can only shoot this right. turn if it passes a maneuver test first. Yeah, yep. so, I found that so very uh, frustrating with MIGs a couple it, of times. It can be frustrating with MIGs, and I think to a question we were asked uh, last night by someone that interviewed Casey and I, or last night or the night before, whenever, uh, the I think that bit us a lot more when we were inexperienced BRS players, and our only trick up our sleeve was to fly behind somebody, turn around, you know, burn advantage, turn 180 degrees, and try to shoot them and tail them. Uh, as we got better at the game, we realized we didn't need to do that. So all of a sudden, Rough Ride became uh, less impactful, if that's my big word of the night, uh, to, to our, our ability to knock the enemy down and shoot them. Yeah, that's a pretty so, sweet stat line for 39 points on that Yeah, yeah, it is. I think so Brett and I have been like kicking around Italians for like two years now, thinking they're like the just most no one's ever pulled the trigger force yeah. in the game. Like even the... The G55, 822 with tight turn and the FU great climb card, right? Well, and I'm going to call it. I'll tell you Crazy. what scares people off about Italians. The paint job. That is hard. It's it's not an easy, they're not easy forced paint unless you want to paint them like baby poop green See, and just leave just, it at that. I take the family to Olive Garden. You know what? A couple glasses of wine. <laughs> You're all ready to paint Italians. Yeah. So that's where I'm at right now, trying to build yeah. a list off Italians. Hey, yeah. Steve, yeah. I, I can see you doing some work with the two, 205. Because it's so cheap and poor quality, it's not that big of a deal at all. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the 205 for a while, the 822 again. It's like that same Spitfire I, I Mark V. I think the 205 is the, is the sweet spot. And we'll see how everyone's list um, comes out because, yeah, I, I could be totally misinterpreting it. But I think the 205 is the sweet spot of Italian airplanes. Now, of course, for the record, I said that about IAR-80s. And <laughs> IAR-80s did not take did not sweep the Adepticon tournament. But uh, I think in the hands of a of a skilled player, both of those airplanes can be dangerous. Uh, both of them can lull you into a sense of security as well because you think, ah, I've got all the cards I need. I've got all the skills. And then, then uh, somebody outmaneuvers you a lot. How does that 205 compare to your Spitfire at 32 points, Steve? Uh, I was looking. I believe the Spitfire 5B, I'm trying to pull up right. I think that's 36 points. Uh, but it's an eight two two or a seven two two, I think. Yes, five B seven two two at thirty two. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just think it would be. I just, I like. I don't think the poor quality is even an issue, right? Uh, and like Casey was saying, with that two thousand five, that third firepower. Like I've been trying to work in a three firepower plane for a long time with a one ninety or something like that. I think Casey might be uh, surprising some people with that with that 2005. I'm going to take a segue into tactics here for a second and just address it because we're talking about it for poor quality. The thing you have to be careful of, because I've watched Brett do it and people fall into it, is that if Brett or whoever's got the denial list has clear skies as, their, as one of their theater cards and they opt to not place either of their clouds then you're really finding yourself kind of painted in a corner. Now, 
you you can kind of mitigate that by having a reasonable placement of of the clouds you put. Don't put them in the center of the board. Put them closer to one of your board edges. So even if you're knocked down to one cloud left on the board, at least when you jump in it, people can't get behind you. So this I don't want to say this is getting to um, to a level of gamesmanship with where you put the clouds, but you got to realize if that's your one trick for getting over poor quality, then you know recognize that that you got to be smart about that. Likewise, there are traits or there are tables out there that have radar support. So if you're facing somebody that shows up with an Italian list, grab the side that has radar support. Uh, do not allow them to do that because that's yet one more way they can mitigate poor quality. What's there's a um, there's a weather card and I'm not sure if it's in this tournament that allows you to place up to two cards uh, two clouds. Is oh gosh. So that would be bad weather, as I recall. Um, and I have to literally open up the files that I hadn't opened up because you know I said I wasn't going to talk about that stuff yet and here I am <laughs> so we'll take a segue we'll play some music while Doug is actually pulling yeah, everything up I'm, I'm just I'm seen. just thinking Casey if you have like you might want cloud shenanigans so if that's mm-hmm. if that is a an option when you come to the table and you got to pick you know your weather card or whatever if you win the you know, you win the roll off or whatever, you might be thinking, oh man, I, I should get that so you can place extra clouds. You know, that might help you deploy and get, a, get yeah, out of Yeah, that it. would really help starting at disadvantage, just be able to get some clouds close. It's just, I, I agree with with Doug. I, I'm trying to think of like where you're most vulnerable with that. And that, that might be the, that might be the I, only thing. I think the, the lack of clouds is your, is your biggest vulnerability now. Uh, what I'll say is I'll pull up the wording for the cards. If I can pull this So for those here. who aren't familiar, remember the radar support. It's you make a maneuver test for each friendly plane, and any that scores success automatically begins the game with advantage, and that's during deployment. So that would completely mitigate it if I could somehow get my hands on that. Yes. So oh, yeah, that's, that's in there. We'll, and we'll come back to that. So the, the add clouds uh, is, drum roll please... Uh, let's see here. Yes, bad weather. Uh, I got it right for once. Add up to two cloud markers of your choice. All squadrons also start the game with one boom chip. So there's kind of, you're, you're kind of kicking yourself in the dick on that one uh, with a boom chip. But if you have uh, something like drop tanks, then you know what? Not a big deal. So does bad weather show up? Uh, bad weather is not listed as any one of our weather skies or weather cards. Uh, for the current tournament, because Bad Weather, I think, came out later than Airstrike. Um, but where you really want to watch is if you're playing Table 2 European winner and you're an Italian, be careful. You have to be the attacker, because if you're not, then the attacker shows up and they get clear skies and radar support. So they've now doubly cheated you. Um, Battle of Britain... Okay, so if you grab radar support as the defender, you know the attacker is going to throw clear skies at you and get rid of some clouds. Uh, Desert is the one where you're screwed either way because both sides have clear skies. Uh, (laughs) Just pick however you want to uh, screw over your buddy. Uh, And I recommend usually taking the attacker because it has heavy flak presence because heavy flak presence always saves me when I suck. Um, But but like I said, the problem with clear skies, you could end up with no clouds on the table because your opponent could throw two of theirs away and then pull your two that were put on the table. Uh, does that mean we're going to change the number of clouds uh, in tournaments? Maybe. Maybe we are. Maybe we're going to go up to six. Um, I think 
there's another discussion there for if you start going up to six cloud markers, you need to go to a larger mat size. And we play everything from three by three to four by six. So um, there's a couple decisions that have to be made at the end of this tournament season uh, for what we want to do next year. And we're open to the discussion. So don't don't think that it is set that we're not going to change anything for next year. If people say more clouds, um, then tell us you want larger mats and we'll play larger mats. There's a whole lot to like there, Casey, between that 205 and the G55. I've got my eye on that G55, too, because, you know, I like to play the BF109G. You get the same stat line and the same price, but you trade uh, you trade away great dive for tight turn with the G55. So you're getting great climb and tight turn. I think you could probably do some pretty neat stuff with that. I think that's a, that might be a pretty cool combo, and it's a rare combo. I don't think tight turn is combined with great climb and many stats. I think there might be a Japanese plane that has that, but that might be about the only one I know of. Yeah, I think there's also a Spitfire that has that a late model, or is that great climb, or is it heavy hitter and tight turn? I forget, but either way. What do you think about that, Steve? That combination? Uh, I I don't know. I think, uh, man, I don't know. I'm on you the fence. You kind of prefer a single trait plane. I think one vulnerability I see with the G55 is somebody can come along with, uh, you know how I like to play uh, I Know Your Type and just deny you using that trait? That might... Uh... Yeah, I the G55, uh, again, that 822, the tight turn and the great climb, there is a Spitfire that has the same thing. I think it's the 9, like Doug was saying. Uh, I don't know. The thing with tight turn is... When I use tight turn, I'm almost always pairing it with defensive tactics, right? So then when you only get half as many, it kind of limits that pairing with the with the defensive yeah. tactics card. Uh, but, I mean, great climb and tight turn are two. I mean, they're probably the two best traits in the game because one changes what you can do I, I and know. the other I, one changes what your opponent can do. I'm going to go ahead and throw a spoiler out there and say, because Brett's choosing his list and we'll talk about it in a second. I think he's going to kind of, kind of, you know, pull the rug out from people. Cause I think there's a trait that's better than tight turn. Now it's not as flexible as tight turn, but I think it is better anyway. So let's say, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Blasphemy is not possible. Yeah. There's two cheater cards in this game. <laughs> anyway, so let's, let's segue real quick. Cause we're getting way knee deep into the aircraft and the list, which is fine. Cause that's the topic for tonight. But rather than some wishful thinking, let's do some analysis real quick. So let's talk about what people are specifically thinking about playing. Um, so, Brett, I know you have math hammered this and trait hammered this and, uh, <laughs> and kind of worked your way through what you, what you think uh, the possibilities are. You were all on board for 262s until I rained on your parade and told you you couldn't have jets. Uh, so, sorry. Maybe we'll re revisit that next year. Uh, what are your thoughts for this year? Well, just to preface, my the lists I've played before weren't anything super sophisticated. It's just the planes I had, so I was you know just kind of trying to. And that was one hundred nine Gs were your last couple lists, right? Yeah, yeah. I think when I I was kind of looking at the first lists I ever made. I even made a list with the one hundred ten, just because I have a bunch of those. I was like, well, you know, what can I make happen with these? And I like the look of them and stuff. And anyway, so I settled on the one hundred nine G, and I made a list I've had a lot of fun with. Uh, this time around, I was thinking, and I think I might have mentioned this on a previous episode, that maybe it would be kind of fun to uh, just clear the deck and 
make a whole new list, right? And uh, that's where I started thinking about jets and stuff. And I was thinking, oh man, maybe I was, I was kind of thinking jet one might be like super great climb. <laughs> so I might have some fun with that. But then yeah, I realized pretty much is. <laughs> yeah. Since it's not on the, since it's not on the packet, I'm, I'm obviously not doing that. So kind of went back to the drawing board a little bit, but uh, I have zeros. I have a bunch of zeros painted and stuff. And uh, I was talking to our good friend, uh, Leslie, and you know, he's a big, fan of the zero we had him on for our zero spotlight episode and uh so so what do you call someone like that are they a naponophile japanophile zeroophile yeah i don't know <laughs> he's he's i think he's my corner coach though because i was asking what he what he thought and he had some pretty good ideas and uh it really is a departure for when i'm how i usually play but uh a6m2 is what i'm thinking about doing yeah, I, th- I think the M2 will play very well. I mean, I, we know Vulnerable is going to be a, a tough uphill battle. That that That's always the case. But no stalling, I think, is is epic when it's used correctly. Uh, so I think there's, I, I think there's definitely uh, some capability for, I, I don't want to say shenanigans, but when you move between one and your minimum speed, which <laughs> for an M2 is, uh, is four, so you move between one and four inches, I lump that under shenanigans, <laughs> right? So I've, I'm leaning heavy towards some specific um, tactics. I mean, a, uh, a specific doctrine and some ace stuff. I'm thinking of going ace heavy and check it out. Perhaps even a named ace. Say it isn't so. Perhaps. So. If only there was a named ace or two they just released. Yeah. So anyway, I'm. I have this is the one Japanese ace I have, Saburo Sakai. Kind of classic right even not even a new one but uh with right with his uh combination of aggressive and i think he has comeback king yeah man i and i'm gonna say it again aggressive is so powerful when used correctly and uh and i'm not i'm not trying to say aggressive is broken because i don't think it is because i beat two players that both had aggressive but aggressive just when you use it right it is it's almost like a denial list kind of feeling to your opponent. You're like, how is this possible? How are you literally taking my advantaged guy, making him neutral, and you're shooting him in the same face? <laughs> we were talking a little bit maybe last time about sort of that ace forward concept. Right, maybe, right. And uh, I think maybe I can make this work with um, Saburo Sakai uh, and uh, maybe one more ace and a couple of uh, veterans. Yeah. And uh, split it up like that. It's a small list, so probably uh, high risk, high reward kind of thing. But yeah. with um, deep pockets, you know, I'm thinking maybe playing a little bit of the Outlast with the deep pockets and um, with the high pilot skill and the high agility on that A6M2, you know, getting getting some dodge action. And, and, it, and that also... Well, the nice thing is, is deep pockets allows you to make a mistake. So right. it's it's not like a lot of times those high risk lists when you're at four airplanes, you make one mistake and if you it's either one boom chit or you get yourself shot down as two boom chits and now you're you know an aircraft less. So um, yeah, I I think that gives you a little bit of depth there. Yeah, another airplane, like we were talking a little bit about that G fifty five. I might consider aggressive tactics with that and just try to go like super aggressive. But with this one, I'm thinking definitely defensive tactics for the doctrine. And, um, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that second ace giving him something like tough or 
Cool Under Fire. Man, I think I think Cool Under Fire is one of those because one of the vulnerabilities, pardon the pun, is vulnerable. So Mm -hmm. even if you dodge, you're still sucking up boom chits and you're sucking them up at a higher rate because you have vulnerable. So the enemy's getting an extra die. So in my mind, if you're gonna take if you're gonna take defensive ace traits, taking something that can ditch a boom chit uh is is probably the choice there because that's going to be your weakness uh with vulnerable is that the enemy isn't going to kill you but they're just going to keep racking up boom chits i was looking at some other ace skills that uh, might go specifically well with uh, the no stalling and there's some that kind of jumped out at me and i I just kind of got to look at them a little harder to see if they outweigh you know aggressive or cool under fire but the ones I'm thinking about that might pair well, specifically with no stalling, might be acrobatic, hammerhead, or killer instinct. I think those allow some kind of crazy big turn. I'd have to go back and pull them up, but uh, I was kind of going through and just. Well, acrobatic is the is the one that I like the most uh, because really, if you make your pilot test and you're going to succeed as an ace, I mean you're you're rolling five dice at that point. Um, you get you go from a 45 degree turn to a 180. So every turn you're basically doing what you would do for, for burning advantage. Um, and you, you pair that with something like no stalling. Now you literally are moving uh, incrementally painful, small amount pivoting, right? Uh, where you need to for the enemy. And even if you're not, even if you're doing something as crazy and counterintuitive as moving forward and pivoting right in front of them, the fact is you're doing that as an advantage fighter. You're not burning up any advantage. So now you're in front of them. You're advantaged. He's going to overshoot you with his first move, and then you're going to tail him immediately. Um, that's, so, that's kind of what I liked about that one. I was thinking it would just give me the chance to um, kind of a free pilot action, right? I get to burn right. advantage without burning advantage. To I get to maneuver without burning advantage. That's all. So yeah, really- and, and well, and hammerhead is is along similar lines um, because you do it when you're. You're climbing for advantage after a mim distance move, so you, you really can't, I guess, pair that with no stalling unless that'd be an interesting FAQ question. Is is using no stalling? It's less than a min distance move, so does it count? I don't know. Um, but then you take a maneuver test, and you know if you succeed, then you do a 180. So you're doing a 180 at the end of your turn after after you've burned no advantage, you've done everything else, um, and you've literally fly past the enemy pass your uh, maneuver test and do a 180 so you're in position to shoot him next turn. Yeah, I think it's I think that's that's useful. It's different than what we're used to because you're used to getting back there and tailing the person, but as we saw in our tournament at Nashcon, sometimes it's better to get back there and be at a high advantage state um, because then you will have the opportunity to to act uh, at the first part of the turn. I was thinking a killer instinct cuz I was imagining with um with no stall, really the aggressive play there is to stay just outside of one inch from somebody get behind and then I get to shoot again the next activation presuming you know I have higher you know if it's an ace right he's probably going to be higher skill level than anybody you know activating before almost anybody else right so you're shooting a guy that's less than pilot skill five uh and uh the next turn if he's not shot down you get kind of a free shot at the start of your activation right so I thought killer instinct might be handy because I'd be super close potentially yeah, it's kind of like shot. buzzsaw for for an ace. Yeah, you know, it does something like gives shoot. you a critical or something. It's a critical if you're if you're within three inches, uh, any hit becomes a crit. So I don't uh, know didn't, though. Doesn't give any... you a bump like heavy hitter. 
Yeah, I don't know that any one of those really outweighs aggressive or uh, cool under fire. So might need to explore that a little bit. But they came, they jumped out at me a little bit when I was thinking about specifically the traits with that that aircraft. What do you think about? Uh, what is there any difference between cool under fire and tough? The way I read the cards, it's the exact same thing. Okay, so normally I don't play tough, so I've got to go look at it right now. Um, uh, boom shit is yeah, they're they they're exact same. So literally, if you dodge, you get rid of the boom shit, and and the wording is just different between the two. So tough, cool under fire, same same. Uh, the one that I normally have paired when I've had a cool under fire. Um, ace out there let me scroll back down here in my my list is true grit because true grit puts a little different spin on it uh and that's when you actually fail your dodge and then it goes into this whole level of you make a pilot skill roll if you pass um then not only do you not lose advantage if you then get a critical success you get rid of the boom chit so to me true grit is kind of the the gold standard of saving yourself um tough and cool under fire are ones that allow you to basically just get rid of boom chits uh, as long as you pass your dodge. That's cool. That's pretty much what I'm thinking about for my list. You know, if we get to uh, talking about... Okay, so you're going to field Oscars with defensive tactics and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and a uh, pilot skill 2 swarm list. Got it. <laughs> yeah. you, uh, you know, I was looking at, for a minute, the KI-84, but... I think, you know, the points are just tough and it's yeah. different play altogether, but that kind of got my attention too. I, you know, the one thing I don't like about the A- A6M2 is going to be firepower one. That always makes me a little frustrated sometimes. Yep. And of yep. course, vulnerable, you know, it is what it is. So I'm counting on like the high pilot skill and the high, high agility and some of those um, potential ace traits we talked about giving me a get out jail free card if I get caught sleeping caught napping (laughs) exactly well steve what are you thinking about what are your uh what's on your list so this is actually really interesting it actually seems like brett and i have done like a role reversal uh in the list this time i am going with p 38s uh, it looks like the J and the L are statted basically exactly the same. In the master list, it says 61 should be 59 points, but I'm taking whichever one is 59 points, taking the minus 10, uh, you know, what is it, the agile heavy fighter rule. So that'll get yep, them down to 49 rules, yep. points. So I'm going to take six P38s with two twos, two threes, and two fours. Checking in at 594 points. Think I, uh, I'm i on the fence. 594. Just go 94 oh, shit. points. He just went 94 points over. <laughs> what? He's enough, mean- you know. He's in the 600 <laughs> point. He's, he's in a totally different bracket. Oh, he's drunk on his own. What a great... Out. What a great... Have you been sniffing the resin again? (laughs) What an amazing intro you did, Doug. That was, like, incredible. (laughs) I don't do these masks. It's perfect. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, do you see what I deal with? Please, please feel some sympathy for me. This is what I deal with on this podcast. For some reason, I had in my brain that it was 600 points. Like, what is wrong with me? All right, so I guess we're taking five airplanes. Let me update my... Let me update my spread. (laughs) Let me update my spreadsheet. Yeah, I I can't pay for shit like this. This is amazing. I can't buy this kind of comedy. I'm taking five P-38s at 49 points, 
with one, two, three threes, and one ace. Someone check his math. So I think that's (laughs) 495 (laughs) points. Uh, Excellent. And I'm thinking about taking, uh, I don't know, I think I could absorb some boom chits with the heavy fighter rules there. So I don't think I'm going to take drop tanks. I think I'm actually might take gun packs on one or two of them just to kind of try that out. Weird. Yeah, didn't see that one coming. Uh, Okay. And I don't know. I For equipment, I was thinking about gun packs. And for uh, the doctrine, the tried and true dive away, just because it's so awesome for getting out of trouble. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Something different. Something uh, that I typically wouldn't play. Uh, But honestly, with a P-38, I don't know how to play it any other way than using that dive away and just maximizing that great dive as much as possible to hopefully cover some, you know, What's cover the st- some range on the table. What are the stats on that P38? Because I'm wondering, eight two two is eight two two, which is what scares me about losing that one agility for gun packs because now you become a agility one heavy hitter and great dive. Yeah. So you you'd get a boost there. You'd be firepower three heavy hitter, which is no that's no joke because that's yeah, you know, four dice in close plus a crit. So. And that's what I'm thinking Ooh. with that sixteen with the great dive and that sixteen speed. Like you'd be going sixteen inches then, right? Because you're doubling you just, that speed. It should be pretty easy to kind of close that range and just say, hey man, I got to get some. I'm gonna risk it with some head on shots. I'm gonna risk yeah, it. Yeah, well, well and that's that's what I saw with Ronda with. Uh, the speed eight F4Us, actually speed seven because they were carrying rockets at the time. But the fact is, great dive on a fast airplane like that really surprises you how far it moves across the board. Anything um, better than anything seven or better, it'll get out and go. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. you can, yeah. I mean, you're even shooting at deployment at that point, right? So yeah. you're well, shooting exactly. at first deployment so, turn. So, so that's the interesting thing because now you're out there and for you, uh, that would be a 16-inch move. So you had to be 18 inches away. You're already, you know, inside you're, you're already hitter. in a heavy hitter. Yeah, you're inside heavy hitter. So. You're, it's kind of like a like a really fast BF-110 without the tail gun, is, though, when you do gun packs. So it's like a BF-110, but it doesn't suck, and it's not as slow as it, and it wasn't made by the Germans. <laughs> so, but other than that, it's just like a BF-110. Is it, any, <laughs> Do they what, cost anything? What, take? Gun, gun packs are points? free. Free. Yeah. Free. But it's, man, it's that, that minus one agility, minus one speed. So if you take that to really give you the boost, you're only going to be speed seven. That's fine because now you're 14, but you're outside a heavy hitter at that point. The other thing uh, with gun packs, though, is you don't have to take it on all of your aircraft. That's true. So and you, you can theoretically, like, yeah. You know, I was thinking like maybe if I throw the gun packs on the two higher skilled pilots, that way when you're doing your dodges, you're. St- not like if you put it on know, a two, I, I don't know. It was I, just a thought. What about not, opening shot? Different. Yeah, because it gives you the 12 inch. And just do just because it's fast, maybe just normal dive would be enough to get you. I don't know. What do you th- The issue with opening shot is opening shot is only is that the one that only shoots with just the firepower? Exactly. Yeah, so you, opening you shot trade. is kind of like, only firepower, eh, but you're I mean, if you had if you had gun packs, then then that. Well, no, because you're still not going to be close enough, so it doesn't matter. So, will you be firepower yeah. four with gun packs with that aircraft? Yes. So firepower four, 
at 12 Well, no, inches. if he's within heavy hitter, he'd be firepower four. Sorry. That, that was if he's oh, within yeah, three yeah, inches. Yeah. So oh, yeah, he'd, never be, mind. he'd be firepower three at range, four with heavy hitter. Firepower three doesn't suck, though, and 12 inches. No, it inches, doesn't. I mean, oh. and... Hmm. Now, Brett's thinking about a lot about 12 can inches you, right now. You can use opening shot. You can get within range before you use opening shot. You don't have to. It doesn't say you have to use it on the first turn. Right? Right. Yeah. No, so no, no. you can opening hold on to it. it. Yeah, you, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a gunnery test. You, you yeah. can use the whole game. Yeah, yeah, there, there's, yeah. No, there's no prescription about that. But, you know, the, the problem is... And it's the nice thing is you're a heavy hit airplane, so you get that you get a bonus card for that. So you're going to keep regenerating that. That's almost to me worth worth not deploying in a traditional right at 18 inches, you know, because it allows you to shoot at 12 inches. So screw it, deploy further away to give yourself a sanctuary from them attacking you. And then when they move, use your ace. I, I would I would actually pair that with aggressive. My thing is, I never would, mind. You can't pair. Yeah, no, you can't. Sorry. So I pair would that with love aggressive. to take an ace, but I never remember to use the freaking card. So like the well, amount so, of times but you, that but I've you're going to remember this. You're going to remember it because you're going to you're going to take aggressive. And the point is, he's not going to use opening shot, but he's going to move within nine inches. He's going to auto somebody. And then everybody oh, else yeah. who has a sanctuary because they're out at like 24 inches where the enemy can't get to them, they're going to move in range and they're going to be inside 12. They're only going to shoot with firepower, but because you've got gun packs, you're firepower three. Oh, then, then you've got yeah. that's no slap. No slap. Back up and to 594 points. <laughs> well, F, F minus. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I don't know. You know, so the doctrine, because typically, like I said, I'm like taking something that has a tight turn or rapid roll, and then I'm taking defensive tactics, right? So the doctrine card and the equipment card with this is kind of like new territory to me because I've kind of been on automatic. Uh, but honestly, I think we've talked a bunch of times about this. And to me, the building of the list is actually almost more fun than the playing of the tournament. Like I, I hate <laughs> the list building part. I'm sorry. I, I just really don't like it. Um, I, I think because there's so many one-off combos i guess is what i is what i don't like about it but what i'll say about opening shot because you're a heavy hitter airplane this is going to allow you to threaten a lot of people that think they're out of range yeah because you can shoot at 12 inches so they'll be like oh i'm out here at nine inches you know and i'm i'm neutral and you're going to freaking shoot them and because you're heavy hitter you automatically get that back now you're great dive so you're going to lose half of it Uh oh brett's going to remind me of something what i f up oh no 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 i I just Card combos are running through my head, so when I, I want to chime in. Oh, when I get okay. A chance. Well, I was just gonna say you're you're gonna only have half as many heavy hitters, but the point is you probably lose, you probably miss a lot of shooting opportunities. So those heavy hitters that you wouldn't be using at three inches anyway, you're gonna use that to keep opening shot, and you're gonna use that to take a longer range shot. So I think I think opening shot is actually better later in the game because people think they're out of range and it turns out they aren't now it has is top cover an official available card now the one that lets yes, you start in high yes. cover yes it is yeah you know because i can't and I, and I think that's a great scenario oh this is gonna sound bad i think it's a great scenario breaker because we play scenario one which doesn't have top cover so literally unless you take top cover or i think there's an ace trait that does the same thing uh that 
there's no other way to get into into high cover. I mean, I could see that being really devastating, right? Coming in high cover advantage with a speed eight great dive airplane with heavy hitter. I feel like that could really be something like, man, you throw one of those guys in high cover and man, now you're really messing somebody up if you get them there in the right time. Yeah. 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 Which, which is, I think a reason for us to consider changing to scenario two next year to give people the option to be able to put aircraft in high cover. So either way, I'm going multi-engine just because I had to try it. P-38s with points yet to be determined. We'll figure out. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh, we and apparently Doctrine and Ace Card, basically my entire also list. Also to be determined. You have, you have no idea what your list is. No yeah, exactly. We, we just basically ripped up your list. Nice work. <laughs> hey, I'm getting do, used to that. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. All right, Brett, you had a point. Combos. Oh, uh, well, we were just talking about some high cover shenanigans now you had the big wing too so instead of just doing a single element you could do a whole squadron in top cover i mean in high high cover in high cover so and this is showing my own ignorance here because i'm gonna have to go ahead and open up the uh we have to open up airstrike here to see how because this is what's weird with scenario one when scenario one doesn't have high cover in it. What happens when you put your whole force into high cover? Well, what's mm. funny is the big wing specifies regardless of scenario. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, and, I, and I get that. I'm just curious what the victory conditions and everything oh, else yeah. uh, change. Because I, I jokingly call it, it's like the guy that put his entire army into outflank and then the dude put scouts or put his bikes all around the entire board. <laughs> the poor guy lost because he was, because <laughs> the entire army was in outflank. One doctrine card and one equipment, right? In the... GOE. Correct. Back. Correct. Okay, cool. Yep. So let me go. Look. This has come up in our campaign. So the way the rules read with bringing in high cover, your high cover aircraft come in at the very last thing, uh, the very last action of the turn. So the not the turn. start exactly. of the next turn, right? So Correct. Correct. You, like we've had that come up where if you get theoretically boomed out, but you bring those planes in at the end of that turn, then those planes are on before the turn is over. So you, you haven't exceeded your max boom shits yet. I think in blood red skies, a lot of times we overlook what the actual victory conditions are and people just like line up opposite of each other and don't actually um, think their way through it. So let's, let's do this here real quick. All right. So let's read this. So for scenario one, Game link scenario continues until all planes have been shot down or left the table. Victory is achieved by driving off the opposing swarms via shot down planes accumulated boom chits. So I think the fact is by being in high cover, you're on the table. I mean, you have a marker there. Um, but let me see if the wording is different in scenario two that has high cover. So fighter sweep allows you to start in high cover. And what are its victory conditions? It says, oh, no, it's victory conditions are different. So it says victory is achieved by driving off the opposing squadron via shot down planes and accumulated boom chits. So there's there's a, you know, rules as intended, uh, rules as written kind of loophole there. One says left the table. Two says has to be driven off. Um, so 
that kind of me as a TO, I'd, my call on that would be if you have a high cover marker, you're on the table, you're in play in that sense, you're coming in. Um, but I could see how somebody could say, no, you're not, because you're not on the table, you're just a marker. Um, Moral I, th- that I think you're a hundred percent on the table with a high cover. Yeah. I think I think we're gonna probably switch to fighter sweep. Yeah, it's just it's just in in scenario one, there's no high cover, so in scenario one, everything is on the table. Therefore, you can use the wording shot down or left the table because you could have left the battle area and failed your your chance to return. But it wouldn't matter if you put them on at the end of, of turn one anyway. Right, like it wouldn't matter if your rules as written, dude. It would because because they because they're not on the table. Yeah, but the game ends at the end of a turn. The game never ends in the middle of a turn. Oh yeah, so so right. So if you if you brought them in, if but I'm saying if you left the high yeah, cover, mark. If you brought them in at the as long as you got yeah, them if, in if, on turn one, as long as you got go. them in turn one, you're good. Yeah, exactly. If you if you brought them in turn one, you're good to go. I think the 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 argument you're going to have from somebody is you can't they won't let you keep them in high cover uh because that would then they'd say well you don't have any forces on the board i win scenario one because scenario one is such a canned um you know everybody's already on the board now let me read big game hunters real quick or not big game sorry uh it was uh not big game what was it big Big wing. wing big wing why is it not in uh in uh the list Hmm. Big oh, wing is the big wing. Maybe it's under the big wing. The big wing. Yeah, the big wing. Yep. There you go. All aircraft selected squadron deployed as a single high cover marker, regardless of the scenario rules. Okay. So here's a couple good things. One, unlike some scenarios that jam you where your enemy gets to place your high cover marker, uh, this one, yeah, you, you get to place it and the whole squadron is there. So, the only problem is the single high cover marker. So everybody's got to come in at the same time. That's the only the only tactical problem I see to it. He, he can only afford two planes anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Makes it super no, he's easy going to, to block. He's going to 794 points. Yeah. Um, well, so I wouldn't say no. I, I don't think it makes it super easy to block because, man, this is, this is where you get in this weird... Um, scenario driven thing so if you looked at at scenario two something that has high cover um you you roll for your elements first and then you still deploy everything in the order of disadvantaged engaged which is neutral or advantaged and then high cover deploys last so you still can't in scenario two you can't jam somebody's high cover marker but the problem is in scenario one when you pull your whole squadron into high cover that kind of requires a to to say dude your high cover markers are placed last in all the other scenarios um and i'm going to now check to see if i'm not making that up for like scenario three so scenario three uh in bounced is there anyone in high cover nope nope and nope um yeah, so it, oh wait, hold on. Player being bounced, first element, the second element of ones you place in high cover with high cover marker placed on the table edge by the opposing player. That's, yeah, that's bounced specifics. Uh, Either way, too many rules, not taking that card. 
<laughs> yeah, but you know, I think I think with a reasonable TO, it could be very powerful. I think the I think the difficulty becomes if if you get somebody who wants to rules lawyer you about, hey, we're playing scenario one, and scenario one says everybody has to be on the table, so you better be in by by the end of the first turn. That's fine. Okay, got it. You know, you, you can't play high cover shenanigans with that. Sorry. Continue. Here's a, here's a question for you. So uh, this might not apply to Steve's list because it sounds like he may not be able to afford an ace or whatever. Steve but, doesn't have a list yet. He doesn't even have a point value. Yeah, well. But you were talking about using defensive tactics, right? Or something? Some, maybe. Not, maybe it, not for me. Oh, defensive maybe it's just because of, with the tight turn. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you've, but you've done it a bunch, I guess. Oh, maybe yeah. I'm just... It's, it's, what do you think about snapshot? If you've got like high firepower or high pilot skill and you're able to, because of defensive tactics, do the whole like turn the, um, uh, turn your, um, yeah. Enemy enemies tailing shot into a, into a, a deflection shot. And then re- next activation, you've got a deflection shot, but with snapshot, you got some, kind of interesting things going on yeah i I don't i I don't know have you seen those two pair together well i I just know if yes i was wondering if it's even practical to pull that off well the problem is defensive tactics has to be tripped by the enemy shooting at you so unlike aggressive tactics which is tripped at your activation you're going to use defensive tactics to turn a tailing shot to a to a yeah, um, it, beam shot. I, so I guess it's the subsequent activation that I'm thinking of. So now we'll see. Yeah, but you won't have. I a won't way have a turn. shot. Yeah. Yeah, you won't have a shot. So yeah, that's, that's right. That's that's the weird part of it is that. Um, and I used to be a fan of defensive tactics. I've I've used it well, but I really, I think because I've been flying tight turn capable aircraft, I've become just so uh, wedded to aggressive tactics. Would no stalling give you that ability? Because you can turn. Tight, like tight turn, but only move such a small distance that you get a. You D- turn depends at, the range you're being shot at, but yeah, I see what you're saying is that you'd at least be able to make uh, your 45 degree turn if you if if you had. Yeah, you still can't do it because you would need to. Most of the time, no stalling does that because you make a 90 degree turn because you have aggressive tactics. In a list like Steve's, tactics, you wouldn't. With maybe maybe a tail snapper would be a more. Uh, you, that maybe that would come into play more because we're thinking like hot, if you're close, firepower four, and then double your firepower with tail snapper. That could be brutal. Yeah, that gets that. That's just outright no fun. I mean, six um, dice maybe just for the six seven dice. I guess something like that for just the uh, firepower portion with tail snapper, and then pilot pilot skill on top of that. That could be yeah, ugly. Yeah. Eleven dice, yeah. something like that. Oof. But there's there's a point of diminishing returns. Now I should bring up Steve's odds. <laughs> and Steve, how many you know, sixteen dice with no success. Yeah, this um, is true. But you're right. Like once I, you get over, you don't get really bonuses for anything more than two hits, right? So like yeah, rolling exactly. eleven dice so, is kind of like yeah. So to in my hits, mind, I'm hits, like it's all the same as yeah. Two I hits. think like somewhere in the eight nine dice regime is really kind of where the the maximum sweet spot is. Um, but I'd have to look at the at the math and see how much you're bumping when you go to eleven dice, because uh, that's a ludicrous amount of dice. <laughs> so I like that. All right, well, Casey, let's put you on the spot since I know you were 
not thinking blood red skies earlier in the evening. So we're going to put you on the spot and say, what'd you come up with? Um, I was actually just checking the furry report for Crucible just to make sure that we were going to be clear and okay for this. And it looks like we are good to go. So define clear and okay that there's plenty of furries there or there's no furries there. No, we'll be good. Steve, I mean, come. There's gonna. Whoa, what is it gonna be nice. like? Brett said last time. I'm not gonna go over the. Uh, I'm not gonna put us over the quota. Yeah. Well, my question is, isn't it by default a furry event? It's crucible. There's gonna be space wolves there. Are space wolves anything other than space marine furries? Are there are there different categories of furries? Like, if you're like, is there like a realistic furry, and then there's like multi, like crazy color furries that you know, like fantasy furries for the ninety seventh episode of the Leadership <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about furries. Yeah. So uh, back to what you're saying. No, I've just really been. I'm still kind of looking through doctrines. That's all. Just trying to pair them up. I don't usually take doctrine cards. I completely forget about them. How Steve forgets about his ace card, I forget about a doctrine card. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to audition for the Lead Pursuit podcast and you've actually played this game and know what you're talking about, we'd love to have you on the podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. Back to you, Casey. If you have a 3D printer, it's a bonus. <laughs> yeah, that's a bonus. <laughs> no, so I'm just kind of looking through there, but uh, I really like Steve's idea. I like the thinking out of the box, something different. Yeah, I, 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 my problem is I can't, I don't do well to pick card shenanigans and then step back and find an airplane that fits those card shenanigans that's that this comes back to why i don't like list building um i kind of like saying oh that seems straightforward let me do that let me let me take that airplane in that combo and i think right now i've been enjoying the hurricane with the combo of robust and tight turn knowing that i never have enough of each card um, especially when I'm on the ropes and <laughs> I'm getting the crap shot out of me. Uh, there's never enough robust cards. Uh, but, you know, I, th- I think sometimes finding a set of A skills and a doctrine that you know is going to pair well with, uh, with a common trait um, then narrows, kind of narrows your search a little bit. Um, but I'll tell you, I'm, I'm still loving playing Hurricane 2, Speed 7, um, agility two, firepower one, that, you know, whatever, laugh at my firepower one, but it's tight turn or robust. And with aggressive tactics, you know, I'm, I'm making the, the cheater turns on you and you're wondering how I'm shooting you. Um, so what I'll say is, uh, if I play, which I probably won't, um, but if I play, it will be hurricane mark twos, double ace list, aggressive tactics, um, and aggressive for both of my aces. And why is that? Um, because I'm going to use both my aces to clean up the field and knock other people down uh, and shoot them if they have an opportunity and then follow on be shot by the rest of my uh, five aircraft team. So that should be uh, three or sorry, two threes and a two and two fives, I believe. I believe that all works out with uh, Hurricane Mark twos. But anyway, um, so I kind of I, I kind of roll with that list. It worked out well at NashCon. Uh, I might fail miserably uh, here at Crucible with it, but I think the combo of aces, multiple aces with aggressive being able to outmaneuver and shoot. Um, I, I know Brett has seen it a number of times when I've played. Uh, I think who who was it that that laughed at me for doing it and thought they were oh it was uh, it was actually it was actually Scott Atchison, but he was virtually playing through. Uh, <laughs> one of our new players and 
and and I'll I'll turn away because I know that aggressive tactics gives me that extra forty five degree bonus turn at the start. So then I'll turn back into you. Then I'll use tight turn, and I'm back where I want to be, out maneuvering and shooting you. So we'll see how that works. Thoughts on aggressive? It's a, it's a, I mean, it's it's strong. You know, the the aggressive tactics with that that double turn really does uh, change the angle, especially if you're not ready for it and you haven't played somebody who's use that card before like it that that really can throw you for a loop trying to defend against that watching that double turn with the aggressive yeah especially especially it becomes that 90 degree turn right off the bat so you think you know there's no way they're going to get around and and be able to shoot me uh and then they throw that 90 degree turn in and there and and so here's the other um faq question that a, a lot of times we've argued out um I'll say it here so everyone knows what my interpretation is. We talked about it again at NashCon to make sure that everybody in the game agreed on it, that aggressive tactics, by virtue of its wording, when it is played, is it is played right at your activation. So aggressive tactics can actually give you a chance to turn that 45 and take a shot Um, because it literally says... It is played on a friendly plane during its activation. The plane may make a bonus 45 degree turn before moving. Well, what's the turn before moving? Shooting. So um, we we were saying that aggressive tactics could in fact be played before the first shoot phase, um, and then you could use it. Now I know there's there's some disagreement about that. Um, maybe we'll have to go back to Andy, reread through the radio room, have to do a search for aggressive tactics. Uh, and see if there is a different interpretation. Uh, That's a good hedge the, against. I know your type because I know your type won't turn that off. It'll just turn off the tight turn, but you'll still get exactly, that forty-five. Exactly, exactly. So you still get that forty-five, and so um, it at least gives you an ability to do something tight turn-ish. Uh, you know, early on in the uh, early on in the phase. So, for what it's worth, <laughs> any other holes to poke in my? ideas of aggressive tactics and aggressive as my two ace traits i think it's a pretty cool list strong yeah we'll see I, the firepower one always hurts you know you just you never feel like you have enough dice uh but that's kind of you know that that's the trade-off for being able to get a cheap airplane that i can put you know aces into but right now i'm clicking on the ready room and i'm going to do my search for let's type aggressive tactics what's your agility again two So it at least means I don't suck up a million shots here. Uh, so let's see if anyone brought it up. Yeah, I was going to say if you had agility three, I'd say go with the gun packs on that one. Oh, funny. I they even brought up my discussion of ace skills versus bonus card. We talked about I know your type. <laughs> uh, so that whole question. Um, all right. So. Yeah, I mean, is aggressive the best ace card? Like just flat right out? Right now, it's the way I, I feel it is. Right? It is. Yeah, I, man, I don't know. I Maybe I'm just glomming onto it because it, it made me feel really uncomfortable because enemy aces kept outmaneuvering and shooting at me. All right, so back to the bigger, wider discussion at hand. All right, we've kind of hit everyone's lists. Um, didn't really have any, any uh, listener questions that had come up recently about any of these tactics. But like everything else on the Lead Pursuit podcast, uh, we know you all want to hear more about tactics. So please shoot us some of these questions 
uh, and put them in the ready room. We'll have a little bit of a discussion there. Then we'll put all of us four idiots together and our lack of knowledge of the game. And we'll come up with an answer that is undoubtedly wrong, not what Andy Chambers thinks, and not defensible at all by reading the cards and what the wording is in plain English. But you know what? We'll talk about it. <laughs> Any other tournament uh, tactics things any of y'all want to discuss tonight? I have one question real quick going no. up on it. So we're talking no about the Italians and the poor quality. Would Doctrine low altitude performance? Would that help negate some of that? So it will, but you obviously have the option, or I shouldn't say the option, you have to keep low altitude performance. So yes, it will help it, but not as much as just jumping into a cloud will. Okay, that's what I So I, I, think, I think the answer is if your low altitude performance, um, or if you're, if you're poor quality, deploy in the cloud now. If you want that as your doctrine as a backup, you know, so that no matter what, if the enemy takes away all of your, um, all of your clouds, and then you have either great dive or rapid roll. You definitely could start bringing everybody back up uh, to at least neutral, you know, and not being totally. Yeah, yeah. With it's, I think your plane you're talking about might be speed eight. Speed eight with great dive and low altitude performance is crazy. All, you, know, you go from being about to be shot down to like on the other side of the board. Well, and you think about if if it's your ace who unfortunately is the chump that's you know disadvantaged. Now you have an ace that comes back up to neutral. Um, and you have an ace, if you have aggressive, that could be outmaneuvering and shooting you. So he literally can go across the board because they've played great dive to keep that card. So then he gets great dive. So he moves 16 inches and then uses his ace card to outmaneuver and shoot some other poor sap who's neutral on the other side of the board thinking, oh, I'm good. I'm at 18 inches. There's no way he's going to hurt me. Yeah, I know it's going to be situational, but I do fear that being stuck at disadvantage at deployment, if there's no clouds. As you should. <laughs> <laughs> I I rolled entirely too many ones and twos for my deployment uh, setups, and I was not deploying in the cloud because I didn't have poor quality. So I'm like, I don't need to do that. And there I am hanging out at, you know, disadvantage. So just deploy outside of cloud, it's your own peril. One more thing before we go, Doug. How many points is this tournament again? Shut the F up. <laughs> you suck. I hate you people. I'm going to go take up a podcast for, I don't know, Carcassonne for Settlers of Catan. <laughs> I quit this game. No. Uh, all right. So on that note, everybody, please uh, send us some more tactics questions. Send us some more Blood Red Skies questions. Uh, there's been a lot of good discussion recently, people sending us uh, some things to talk about and some some questions via either Facebook Messenger or via the form on our website. So please feel free to reach out and ask us that way. Uh, or if you're at Crucible, walk up and go, hey, you know what? I play Blood Red Skies. I have a question for you. Oh, but I'm not playing your Blood Red Skies tournament, so let me stab you in the heart. Uh, but no big deal, man. I, the, the deal is go to cons, have fun, hang out with people you like to play games with, and play the games that are going to bring you enjoyment. So if you play a lot of Blood Red Skies at home, please don't feel obligated to play Blood Red Skies with us. We'll just sit in the corner by ourselves and cry in our beers, our very expensive beers at the resort. But anyway, with that being said, any last minute save rounds about Crucible or any of the upcoming events anyone wants to throw in? I'm any grudge matches? Steve, you and I have had our grudge match. Is it time for, uh, for another Elite Pursuit grudge match between some other members of the podcast? Yeah, I mean... Does- are we gonna, Does Casey have the balls to call me out? 
run a BRS train oh, on boy. Casey at Crucible? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Did Casey just say no, first of all, before we even see this whole BRS train, before that whole comment gets taken out? Did Casey just say no? You, you don't, you don't want to you throw it down against me? What's up? What's up? <laughs> That's all right. I see how it is. No worries. Nobody wants to play the boss. The boss is just going to go run his own tournament, be boring, and have no fun. That's all right. You, everyone else enjoy Crucible. I'll be miserable now. With that being said, please like, share the podcast, uh, give us some reviews. Uh, there are some outstanding and some outstandingly hilarious reviews out there. I will also say for those of you who are purchasing things from the Lead Pursuit store and leaving us reviews there, uh, we do read them and we do laugh sometimes at the funny things you say there. So thank you very much to our sarcastic friends uh, who enjoy uh, leaving us reviews in the Lead Pursuit store. Uh, but once again, thanks everyone in the community. Please give us some more information and we will have some more abuse, humor, and maybe some Blood Red Skies news for you next week. And we just lost Steve in the middle of all that. Yeah, by the way, guys, in case you want to see how a podcast should be done, go on Cast Dice. Freaking Brad just showing us up again. Mother effer. He had, like, colored lights in the background, and he had, yeah. like, a remote control to put, like, yeah. stuff up on the screen. Animated intro. Looked good. I was like, damn it, we suck again. I don't know why I'd be doing this. I even tried a different browser, so we'll yeah. see. I Explorer 4. Netscape. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Guskia, yeah, whatever he's using. Exactly, whatever he's using. <laughs> he's using Thunderbird as his email client. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs>